0: I'm Jade,
1: and I'm Josh, and on this episode of Our Taste Is Trash,
0: we review the new David Fincher film, The Killer.
1: Discuss Matt Rife's mediocre rise and fall,
0: and talk Jenna Ortega leaving Scream Seven.
1: So remember to rate, review, and follow wherever you listen. Stick around.
0: let's all go to the lobby let's all go to the lobby
1: let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat well, welcome it's back to food another food episode food of, food food food. of our taste is trash i'm josh popcorn and i'm jade baby. and jade there is a lot to talk about this week um <laughs> holy fuck, where do we start so uh I'm officially in Ireland now. I'm about to start my new job mm, next right. week. So that's exciting. How's, the, how's job hunting going for you, Jade?
0: It's going. It's always hard, you know, in the holidays everyone's off. So <laughs> <laughs> just hoping, you know, hear back for a few things this week. So we'll see.
1: Well, Jade, I'm sure that nothing going on in our lives is as bad as what's happening with Matt Rife right now.
0: Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> I don't know if that man is having a good week or a bad week. Um, but in my in my eyes, it would be a bad week.
1: <laughs> I would think so, unless like maybe he's just getting these phantom followers from somewhere else. Maybe the fans that he allegedly wants, because yeah. mm-hmm. this story is I have very few times in my life following someone or just seeing a celebrity rise seen someone burn out this quickly and just totally destroy themselves oh, in front of everyone.
0: Meteoric rise and a meteoric fall. Like it was, this is like going to be talked about for oh. I think a while because oh. like he came up so quickly through social media. You know, he talks about, he'd been trying to get into comedy world for like what, like 10, 15 years. You about, know? 10 years. On, yeah. Yeah, yeah, about 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. He's on, been on a couple of things. Yeah, he was on Wild and Out and stuff like here and there, but he could never really get to that place that, you know, where you're where you're having tours, where you have a fucking Netflix special. And he started posting his stuff on TikTok. He got really big on TikTok. And I rem- and that's where I knew him from because, like, yeah. I never really Same, watched Jade. a lot of Same. his Same. stuff. I,
1: but, like, I knew I, Matt Reif because that, but, but I want to be clear on something really quick. The only stuff he right. showed on TikTok was his crowd, crowd work. work. He yes. almost never showed his standup, which... I remember right. seeing a clip like when they announced his tour and it wasn't good. And I was like, maybe that's just a, like, in my mind, I'm just going, maybe this is early stuff. Maybe he's gotten so much better since then. You know, maybe this well, new tour is. I
0: don't even know. Like, because so the thing is, is like when he, you know, he's doing his stuff on TikTok and I've seen a couple of his like crowd work standups on TikTok and it was all right to me, though. I was, you know, I didn't judge that based on his comedy. I was like, well, that's his crowd work. You know what yeah. I mean? So I'm like, I don't, I don't know. He could be he, his jokes could be really funny, but I don't know. Um, and I, I didn't even see clips or anything of the special. I just all of a sudden saw a special released on TikTok or uh, on Netflix, and I was like, oh, he has like a whole special now. And because I'd heard, you know, again on on social media he was this really funny guy he was really popular so i was like all right i'll, I'll, I'll give it a try check it out like why not josh holy <laughs> fucking shit so i watched it the day it was released because you know a little oh little that's wild on my hands. because um, i feel like i well, had been
1: taught i feel like i had been talking no. about this guy jade and i was like oh i'm gonna watch this because i no. think I, I remember weeks and weeks ago i was like jade have you heard of this comedian like matt rife and you were kind of like I don't think so. Like,
0: (laughs) well, like, yeah, no, like, well, so, I mean, obviously, a little more time on my hands, whatever. So, anyways, (laughs) the day was released. I watched it. And I mean, within 10, 15 minutes, I had to shut it off. I was literally like, is it? And it was funny because I'm like, is it just me? Yep. Like, am I the one that was, like, offended? Am I just the one that thinks he's not funny? But, like, Josh. This is a universal I,
1: experience. This is apparently yeah, a so, universal experience.
0: Yeah. So, the thing is, is, like, after I watched this and I was like, this is, like, not fucking funny. Um, immediately, of course, the first thing I do is I go to social media. And I'm like, is anyone talking about this? And sure everyone. enough, dude, everyone's talking about it. And everyone's rubbing on a new fucking asshole, as they should. And what's funny to me, though, Josh, is everything that everyone is talking about primarily comes from like the first 15 minutes of the stand-up special. And I was like, so we were all in the same boat, but that was about as much as we could stand before immediately knowing that this guy was trash. And for those who don't, who maybe aren't as kept up on what it is, within these first 10 to 15 minutes, he immediately makes a domestic violence joke, um, basically says he wants to kill women for liking crystals and astrology, um, and then also talks about A gross joke that his grandpa made about how he used to fuck Rosa Parks, but in the front of the bus or back of the bus, it was bad. It was bad. Like, and also, they're just old jokes. This shit is tired, man. People have been telling dumb, shitty jokes like this Dumb, racist, sexist
1: jokes since the beginning of television. Like, really? Yeah. Beginning of movies. And I'm
0: like, yeah, he has no original take. And that's the thing is- comedy, I feel like it has to be personal. Like each comedian brings something personal to the stage with the jokes that they tell, right? It's about their experiences through life and where they kind of see those little pinpoints to, to, to make humor out of it. And there's definitely dark comedy. I enjoy dark comedy. I know you do. I, I watched an artist that I've made some dark jokes. I'm like, Ooh, but also fucking funny.
1: I think both of us can agree that George Carlin might be one of the best comedians that's ever been, at least in the modern era. Yeah. George Carlin made dark, crazy jokes. He made flat out rape jokes like George Carlin did, but you know what? He was smart, insightful, and funny. And you know what he didn't do in any of his jokes? He didn't step on or kick. The people that were already down. He didn't make fun of women just for being yes. women.
0: You know what I mean? But if like, he was making, also made it uh, clever. Yeah, exactly. Like just clever about it. 100%. Like, but like, guys, one of his, one of Matt Rife's jokes was literally like he's like going I to a restaurant and the host has had a black eye and he's like, and then he's like, oh, and then my buddy was like, why don't you just put her in the kitchen? This is the face of your restaurant. And, he, and then Matt Reif was like, but then I told him, well, uh, obviously she's not good in the kitchen. That's why she has a black eye. And I'm like, what now, What are we, like 12-year-olds now, on fucking Call of Duty? Like, what are we, you know?
1: This is where I knew the special was doomed. So I'm going to admit right now, I have not even watched it myself. I have, though, through TikTok, probably seen the first 10 minutes because of people breaking down how bad it is and, th- and this is men and women and especially as it surrounds the domestic violence joke like i'm not gonna you i think you covered it very well like it's a tired yeah. not only is it not smart and intelligent but one it's just dishes women for no reason and mm-hmm. it's not creative or funny but the other thing that is amazing and this is how i knew matt rife his flame is just burning out people mm-hmm have studied this special jade like i have watched people do fucking break when there are people doing
0: essays on this
1: there when when like there are certain people on tiktok and on the internet who just love to take little bits and just fucking hammer home like research bits of this stuff i -hmm. saw a woman talking about and comparing the audio samples of the laughter In the special, and she goes, It's bad. I am 99% sure all of this is laugh track because she goes, She was like showing the audience. She was watching the audience. She's like, No one is laughing. No one is reacting. No one is clapping. There is clapping. There is laughter. And she goes, This sounds like a laugh track. And she goes, Yeah. She goes, Look at when the laughter comes in. He like basically says nothing. He's like, Oh, this chick had a black eye. People just start laughing. And she goes, Who? It's not Who's even funny. Yet. It's not even funny. There's no way people are laughing at
0: that. So that was one of the things that I noticed too, like while watching, because I was like, does the audience find this funny? And I'm looking at did. like, no, and I'm watching. And as I was watching, like, you feel like when you laugh, like it's kind of a full body thing. Like your head goes back a little bit, maybe your shoulders go up and down. Right. And I'm like looking at like, you know, when it, the, it pans across kind of the back of the audience and I'm not seeing any of that. And, and Jade, how and many
1: times did they do the close ups? Because on most.
0: They cut in close to him so many times because I don't but think he wanted to the audience. To show the right? audience.
1: Yeah. Well, because most of the time worse, you're cutting into like, the audience, getting those laughs. Yeah. And it well, wasn't happening.
0: What was worse was like when there was audience laughter, number one, whatever laughter if they put in was not enough. It was awkward. That's also <laughs> what made me feel uncomfortable too. Not only were the jokes bad, but like the fact that it was like a trickling laughter. I was like, Oh, it's like hard to watch, you know what I mean? And then like, I'm sitting here and I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if that were me, I would have fucking walked out in the middle of his set. Jade,
1: I bet people did. I bet people did. They had to have.
0: And what would have been funnier, Josh, is if you would have said something about me walking out, I guarantee you I would have roasted him and made a funnier joke than he ever could in his entire life. Because like.
1: You know, the other thing too about this that I was just thinking about, this is probably his world tour material. This is probably the stuff he's doing night after night.
0: Yeah, what you do in a special is all of your material that you worked on. That's probably what he's touring with. You know what I mean? Like, and that's and it's pretty common for a lot of uh, comedians to do that. But like,
1: but usually, correct me if I'm wrong here, Jade, because I love just like understanding the process. What I how I understand it is, you're supposed to do your touring, and then you compile all the like you said, the best of the best jokes. Do do your special, and then you go and work on material for the next show. You might do some stand-up well, here or
0: there. That's exactly it. Yeah. It's like, this is also backwards. Like, I, it's that's why everyone's also like, it's wild he got a Netflix special so quick. Like, yes. you don't get a film special this soon in your career, especially before you've done a world tour.
1: And who is greenlighting this? Like, who watched this at Netflix? I don't have to watch the whole hour to know that it's bad. I know no. it's bad because oh I- my God.
0: You know what? I'm going to give a platform to- I want to see Netflix special of Matteo Lane. Okay? He is <laughs> fucking hilarious. He's on a world tour right now. Um I will watch him anytime he comes up on my TikTok. Like he's so fucking funny. And guess what? He doesn't have to make a single joke at the expense of women and like in a in a derogatory manner. And the jokes that even even the jokes that are you know what I mean like a little bit more like racier controversial again, still well done. Still well done.
1: And I've heard, you know, it's funny about jokes like that. And I I kind of alluded to it, but I, I believe it was an interview with Bo Burnham and he, I'm going to paraphrase him, but he basically calls out the fact like there was someone who asked him about cancel culture one time. And he basically in a nice way said he doesn't really believe in it because he's like most of these jokes that you're talking about, or most of these comedians who have made these jokes, he goes, it's not even that it's the material It's that the material they're using is tired. They're like, yes. he's like, you are most of the time, these jokes are directed at marginalized groups of people who are already shit on in society. So he's like, that's mm-hmm. kind of what makes it not funny already is, yep. you know, it's funny when you use those people to make a joke about. Society or the way things work or to redirect that towards something else because he goes that Mm -hmm. that changes the conversation that that's where the humor can come in. But he's like, if you're just gonna hate on women, that's not funny. Like it's not funny by any standard. So that's not cancel culture. That's just not being. A good comedian, and that's just being a shitty person, you know. And I'm like, yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, that's why I hate when, like, Dave Chappelle or any of those other comedians. Uh, I was literally about to say, fucking complain. Dane Cook is another good example of this. They complain about cancel culture. It's not that it's cancel culture. It's just you're not fucking funny. Like you're not anymore. That's well,
0: and and that's exactly it. Like even anymore because you know what? Some of them did get away with jokes like that, and it's like, yeah, the reason why you said that then is because you made it funny then now you're lazy and now yeah. you're just recycling the same you, shit you know I, and everyone's tired of hearing it.
1: A thousand percent. You, you know what I feel like has happened here? I feel like Matt Reif thought he was Daniel Tosh. Like his mannerisms really remind me of. I
0: don't even like was, Daniel Tosh's stand up. But like,
1: I think we can both admit Daniel Tosh is a better comedian than Matt Reif. Oh yeah. A thousand <laughs> percent. Like he and Tosh might yeah. you know. And like, I think Daniel Tosh can be funny and offensive he has plenty of offensive jokes. I was just watching one the other day, it popped up on my feed about 9/11. It's incredibly just in like he basically makes this joke yeah. about how <laughs> he was talking about how essentially what happened in 9/11 was worth one tower, but not two. He's like it's worth one, not two. <laughs> like, like,
0: and and that's it the was thing. just that's so That's the thing. It's like
1: it was Yeah, terrible it's you could take hilarious. something
0: that is yeah. tragic, right? That was horrible yeah. for so many people. But at the same time, like you can make light of it because it's not necessarily making fun of the the death of the people. You're making of the politics, the politics yeah. of it. Also, right, like the policies.
1: Think about think about Pete Davidson. He's made a career about talking about his dad and jokes about his dad dying in
0: 9-11. Exactly. I still
1: find it funny because we. It's like a running. It's his longest running joke, and he brings it yeah. up all the time. And it's yep. funny because it's Pete Davidson and we know that about him and he makes it interesting. But again,
0: because it's it's also it, – it's a self-degradation thing, right? Yes. Like he's not – again, it's like he's not shitting on marginalized people. And and again, he's taking something that was tragic but finding that kind of hole of like we can laugh about it a little bit. Like you laugh through, through tragedy. I think that's a very yeah. common thing. But God, Matt, right? He literally at one point he was like – um, when he's talking about like astrology and he's like, oh, ladies, you can't blame everything on on Mercury or whatever on a planet that's like 9 million miles away. Leave the planets alone and all this other bullshit. And then at one point after that, he goes, if, if I was like, I will fucking murder you if you bring that shit up. And I was like, ew, sorry. It's that's just, not a joke. No. That's just a threat. It's like, just- what are we? Like what are you talking about? Like mur- was crazy. You're saying you're going to murder a woman for talking about the fucking planets? Jesus crazy Christ! About this
1: whole thing too is that not only not only is this just terrible for him. Like I mean, I heard someone say I've never seen someone fumble a twenty-five million dollar bag, which is apparently what his special and uh, world tour is worth. But you know, he's just alienating a huge part of his audience. Like the reason that he became so popular was because a large segment of his audience were women, because that's who he pandered to in his crowd work. Like, that's, that's what drew me to him as well. Because I was like, Oh, like, the guy's attractive looking guy. And he's like, had this little bit of a bro thing. But he made fun of himself a little bit. So like, yeah, kind of be like, Oh, this is kind of interesting. He would talk to attractive women during his sets. And he would make little jokes. And you're like, Oh, this crowd work is kind of funny. So in I think most people's mind who only knew him from TikTok, you're going, Oh, this is a decent guy. I think he aligns with kind of my way of thinking, but not hearing his actual standup, you go, who the fuck? Like, and this is over. Like, I don't think – I think if I had had tickets or most people who think like me or think like you, Jade, had tickets to his upcoming show, you're fucking getting rid of that. Like, you're not going. You're either not going or you're trying to get your money back and saying, fuck this shit. Like, I'm not – Oh, 100%. Yeah.
0: Yeah. By the way, just – to talk about his looks, the fact that he, in the beginning, would say like, "No one takes me seriously as a comedian because I'm too attractive," and I'm like, "Baby boy, um, you paid to look like that." Oh, like, did. oh my God, I found so I again I knew nothing about this man prior to his comedy special, but thank God for the internet because they have told me his life story, and also the photos of him pre-surgery. I mean, wild man zero. Yeah. He got that either through fillers surgery or some people said it's possible that, um, severe amounts of like testosterone and steroids can actually cause that like divine, like the really defined jawline. And then of course he got veneers. That was a big one. Um, he definitely has had some sort of filler or something in his cheeks too, to create more of that, like cut, face look anyways it's just I will goofy say,
1: i will say that whoever did his surgery did a damn good job because a lot of people i mean he's get very up pretty shit. yeah
0: you know what i mean like he uh, looks pretty but I,
1: just one last thing uh, i just ironic that his special is called natural selection because i oh. think he's gonna get fucking Josh, we're never gonna hear his name again
0: the title of his of his special is the funniest thing he's ever fucking done yes yeah,
1: Natural selection. hilarious. He's going to yep. get executed by the same community where he he's been popular. naturally selected. Yeah, <laughs> yep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> to be Goodbye. removed.
1: <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Nice oh to my, my wife. Well, going on to more controversial news. The one of our favorite series, Jade, I think, is dying slowly before us because Ugh, we were so excited for the requels, the slash reboots of what could have been in Scream Seven. And we're never going to get it because it doesn't yeah. matter what happens now. It's not going to be as good as it could have been. And this all yep. started with is it Barrera? Is it Melissa? Michelle or Melissa. Barrera. M- Melissa Barrera. She. <coughs> let, let's talk about some of her. Let's talk about some of her tweets because she or Instagram. She posted some content mm-hmm. that was very pro-Palestinian and then was immediately fired by Spyglass Cinema and canceled off of the project. So what exactly yep. did she say or post that got her fired?
0: So she posted to her Instagram stories and the first, the first one just says, I too come from a colonized country. Palestine will be free. And then she left a quote. They tried to bury us. They didn't know we were seeds. Um, And she just followed it up with like, basically saying like, please don't believe like the media, like right now they're, they're only showing us like atrocious like Things are happening to Israel. They're not showing you things that are happening to Palestine. Basically, she's just saying like, stay informed and like, make sure you you do all your research, right, so that you can understand what's happening. Um, and that was it. And apparently, Spyglass and Paramount Plus decided that was enough to fire her from the Scream Seven, um, and from the Scream franchise.
1: Here's here's something that they posted. So in response to that, which to me sounds pretty tame, there have been a lot of outspoken people on both sides of this. But I mean, that statement itself seems very tame compared to some of the things being said. Spyglass said this, which I think is more flagrant than what she posted, they go Spyglass's stance is unequivocally clear, we have zero tolerance for anti semitism, or the incitement of hate in any form, including false references to genocide ethnic cleansing holocaust distortion or anything that flagrantly crosses the line into hate speech this is insane like this
0: which this is wild is, because is nothing wild. Of, of what she said you know no, falls like, it, that.
1: it's absolutely wild because you know and i think the problem here is for the first time in years because i've i've been following I think the Palestinian story for the last two years now on TikTok, like there's several creators that I follow that talk about life in Gaza, that talk about life in the West bank and show what's going on the ground there. Like you see the everyday things, the stuff that you don't see anywhere else. And I'm not saying that you can just trust everything you see online, but it's a very different narrative than what's going on. And then when this whole thing happened, you know, much like we did during Arab spring, We Mm -hmm. had a clear line of communication through TikTok or X or whatever you are following on social media to what's happening on both sides of this equation. And it's not adding up to what you see in interviews on everyday media, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's, and I think that's the difference now today in what you're seeing when you're seeing these, you know families crying because their house got bombed or a hospital got bombed. Like I remember this one, this one story that just killed me was there was just this video of this man in Palestine who was digging through the rubble of this apartment building. And you could hear one of his sons yelling underneath the rubble. And then it, like they cut to like an hour later and the yelling stopped. And this man is trying to dig with his bare hands. And like both of his kids died while he was trying to dig them out. Like no, it's no, crazy. I so I mean, but, but what I what I can't stand about this whole argument is that you are not allowed as an American to criticize Zionists without being called anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. Like that'd be like the same thing as like to me that's equivalent to being like, you know what, um, I don't like Saddam Hussein, and then you're like, well, you're anti-Iraqi. No, <laughs> I'm not, you know, it's like I would take the same argument with the like, Cubans. It's like, oh, you don't like um, Castro Castro. Yeah. I was like, I can't remember. Saying. Yeah. Oh, I don't like Castro. Oh, so you hate Cubans. No, that's that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> what I'm right. saying is I'm critical of the actions of that government. That yes. is what I'm arguing here. And I think that yeah, the governing where, body. And that's where the line automatically gets crossed here. And I'm like, it's, we're not talking about the same thing. Like we're not, we're not yeah. talking about the same thing. Well, here. We're criticizing. And that's exactly
0: like, think about, you know, speaking back to like nine 11, we were attacked. Right. And supposedly it was because of, right. Like our policies, our government and, you know, it was taken out on our nation, but yet as Americans we're like, what are you talking about? We are not our government. Like we are not, we don't decide this policies. And so, you know, I would think it would be unfair to say that if someone, like I hear, obviously we hear criticisms all the fucking time about the U S government from people from other countries, but and sometimes, yeah, they're critical of, like, Americans as a whole. But to me, I'm like, I don't necessarily think that means they hate me, but I, I know they hate our policies. And I, pfft, I'm i with you, sister. Like, yeah. what? Yeah. And, 100%. But it's just nuts, though, because, you know, obviously, this was a huge refresh for the franchise, right? And Scream, I think, is a massively loyal fan base. Like, this percent. is yeah it's not like i mean halloween is a big fan base but they kind of dug halloween into a fucking pit you know what i mean like well, that i, I still
1: feel like they've written themselves into a corner like it just makes exactly. make versus
0: sense versus scream so i felt i you know watching these and you you know if you guys have been listening we reviewed the last two films that came out like i think they were on the right track but you know with melissa barrera gone she was the she was the main character i was like okay well they're probably gonna pivot to jenna ortega Right, like the sister Jenna Ortega, she's already a really big household name. They're probably like, it's fine. We can redo this, right? Like we can focus it around her until she quit.
1: She quit, yeah, which is wild. Which which just makes me like, listen. This only makes me respect Jenna Ortega more. Like, yeah, to me, and and it's great because yeah,
0: she yeah basically she quit stating scheduling conflicts with Wednesday. But I think we all know that Jenna Ortega. Would have been able to do both. Absolutely no fucking problem because she is a a hot commodity. Yes. And she knows how to do it. And she would have been, I guarantee you, if it truly was, there were scheduling conflicts with Wednesday. I think prior to that, they would have just worked around her. But I think she was like, well... You know what? It's not going to work. I'm going to have to exit the project.
1: Yeah, and good for her. Like, this, like I said, we Absolutely. might never, we might never get the full story on this. We might never get a statement from Jenna Ortega that says, "Oh, I quit to, you know, support, support Michelle here." Yeah, but you know, Melissa, what? yeah, fuck, Melissa, yeah. I want to call her Michelle, Melissa. Yeah. But I mean, good for her. Like, fuck that. Yeah. Fuck Scream. Like, it doesn't even make me want to watch the movie now. Like, if you're going to get rid of people for oh. saying something like that, it's not like they came out and said the Holocaust wasn't real. You know what I mean? Like, that's a completely right. a completely different ballgame there. This. She's is- just
0: literally in support of making sure the Palestinian people, like, receive support from us. And just, you know, I it's wild to me, though, that, like, this is happening because the, all the people that are coming out, like, Noah Schnapp. From Stranger Things saying Zionism is sexy and zero consequences, like, what is going on here?
1: Well, even what's her name from The Big Bang Theory, Maya um, Biyalek, uh, Maya Biyalek, also Zionist. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I don't hate them because they're Jewish. I hate them because they're fucking Zionist. Like, and fuck them. Like, you know what I mean? Like,
0: yeah, because they basically support the genocide of an entire group of people. Which apartheid. is fucking nuts.
1: Literal apartheid. Yeah,
0: considering <laughs> what happened during the Holocaust, I, I, I can't. No, it's like I can't.
1: But what I do know, Jade, is fuck Scream Seven. I will not be going to see that because it's gonna be trash. And I'm gonna I'm gonna bet right here that it might not even get made in 2025. It might get pushed out thing. indefinitely.
0: Supposedly they were trying to get Naomi or Naomi, oh my god, Nev Campbell um back as the primary character again because she, the only reason she wasn't even in the last ones is because they didn't want to pay her enough um and so i wonder if at this just point they're up like some salary
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah they just freed up some salary i think they play two
0: salaries so you know maybe we'll pay you so we'll see yeah but i'm not excited about it which is a, a bummer
1: but you know what i am excited about jade speaking of really quick uh i did find out wednesday speaking of jenna ortega mm-hmm. is going to be shooting somewhere here in ireland
0: oh yeah so like they shot, they shot most of set? that
1: oh i if i can find out where it is so apparently they did most of the shooting in Romania last time for season one mm. this season is mm-hmm. going to be in Ireland but we don't know where yet so well I'm sure they'll have to that do
0: is. casting calls for extras so I'm sure you could probably
1: I'm hoping I'm hoping well if it's in Dublin I will make every effort to go and do something
0: you're like I will sit in a coffee shop in the background please God <laughs> absolutely
1: I can drink coffee <laughs> what are your skills I can drink coffee I can eat um I can walk I can. I can say
0: watermelon bubblegum.
1: Yep, whatever you need, yep. whatever. I'm here. Yeah, I'm here for I got you. it. I I can. I I might not be able to speak clearly to Jenna Ortega, but I'll try. Like if I really need. Yeah,
0: I, you would never get a speaking <laughs> role. Like, I,
1: I, <laughs> I would try. I would be say something. I'd hear something. I'd, hear something, I'd like say a thing. And be like, who who the fuck said that? Who who's speaking? Who, who's speaking? Who's talking? You. What get the you? fuck out. Get out. Yeah. You're gone. <laughs> no, no. no I, I had this idea. I don't give a fuck. I don't. No, like, no. I do not care. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> Now is the time. Let's take a first look at our movie this week, which is The Killer. It's a new movie by David Fincher. Jade, what are your initial thoughts on this?
0: Um, you know, I kind of expected it to be kind of what it was. Um, which was it's an Assassin Revenge film. You know, we've been there, done that, seen that, you know, but it's David Fincher. So I did expect it to be a little bit slower, a little bit more artful. Um I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was decent. I'll get a little bit more into it during Trash and Treasure. I was going to say this, Jane.
1: <laughs> I wasn't bored at any point. Like, I didn't find yeah. it unentertaining. I just didn't understand it. I was like,
0: not too mm. many people
1: get to make a movie like this. And I think I say this about a lot of artists now and a lot of directors, but it's true. Like, if this had been pitched by anyone else outside of like your David Fincher caliber of director, they would mm-hmm. have been told to go fuck themselves like a thousand percent like they would have seen this script and gone wait it's going to be a script with a guy doing voiceover for 50 percent of the movie how is that going to be a thing and you know like yeah it was okay it's just it was like a slower version of john wick like that's the only way i can describe it
0: a lot slower version of john
1: wick. <laughs> <laughs> like imagine if john wick happened at Eight times negative the speed. That's kind <laughs> of how this movie went. And then the ending. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll get into the ending oh, in just a we'll minute. Talk because about I, I,
0: that. I, I got a lot to say. I don't about even that. know about that.
1: Yeah. So let's take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to review our movie this week, which is The Killer. It's streaming now on Netflix. your presentation stick to your plan trust no one stick to the plan forbid empathy stick to the plan anticipate don't improvise Our movie this week is The Killer. It's streaming now on Netflix. It is directed by David Fincher, and the screenplay is by Andrew Kevin Walker. This is David Fincher's and Andrew Walker's uh, first collaboration since seven, apparently, is where they worked together last. Hmm. Yeah, the other interesting thing is this, I think we've mentioned this before, but this Mm -hmm. film is also based on a graphic novel by Alex Nolent and Luke Jacquemont, I, uh, Jacquemont, I think is how you I say assume. that. Yeah, um, it's also called the Killer, uh, and apparently David Fincher has given interviews that he's wanted to make this for years. Uh, this, it was uh, like
0: twenty years. He's been something like to make that. This he's been movie.
1: trying to make this, which I guess this new deal that he has with Netflix is the perfect excuse to. Yeah do one of his passion projects. Uh, this film also stars Michael Fassbender, which, I mean, if you don't know who that is, you should. He's been in movies like Steve Jobs. Uh, he's
0: Magneto. Uh, Magneto, X-Men. X-Men First Alien. Class.
1: Yep, he's in Prometheus, uh, which Prometheus. I think is one of my favorite roles of his. Uh, and then mm-hmm. we have, of course, which she's not in enough of this film, we have Tilda Swinton in this, who's in Snowpiercer, Michael Clayton, The French Connection, Constantine. Mm-hmm. I mean... Everything She's been in everything. Uh, And then also, just as low-key, just to mention Charles Parnell, who is in things like, you know, Spiderhead, something we've we've done here on, reviewed here Mm -hmm. on the show, and Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, and also the very, uh, some people like it, Top Gun Maverick was also in that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So many people keep trying to tell me that movie is good. It's not good.
1: I feel like it's a conspiracy. Like, I don't understand. I can't.
0: I don't I don't get it. Are are they paid? Are they being paid?
1: I, I think Tom Cruise has individually paid people that we know and that everyone knows who doesn't like the movie to convince them the movie's good.
0: Like I, yes. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: I wouldn't be surprised. He's just going around going, Okay, your friend didn't like the movie. Here's some money, tell them it's good. And you're yeah. like, sign an NDA. And you're like, I Great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm convinced it's how it's happening. Like it's, it's like yeah. Scientology. You don't you don't know how you get there, but eventually you just but you, you're there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, Jade, for those who don't know what this movie is about, uh, can you just give us a brief uh, description from the old uh, IMDb?
0: <laughs> yes. After a fatal near miss, an assassin battles his employers and himself on an international manhunt he insists isn't personal.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess that's the movie. Um, yeah. It's mm, kind of what happens. I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of what happens in the movie. Uh, let's start, with, let's start with the good, I'm feeling positive right now. Let's start okay, with okay. what we enjoyed about this movie. And if you don't mind, I'm going to hop right out here and say, sure. I actually really enjoyed the soundtrack. I'm, I mean, I feel like. Oh, cause it, it's all the Smiths? It's all the Smiths. Like, I feel like as someone who went to college in the early 2000s, you were required to like the Smiths. Like that was just a thing that yeah. everyone our age discovered the Smiths in the early 2000s, even though they had been around forever.
0: Oh yeah, it was like yeah. that kind of resurgence of like it is like English kind of punk rock bands. It's like that you whole know, era of like
1: you know what you know what kicked that off. I think for most people,
0: what uh Garden State, yeah,
1: Garden State. They, oh they, my Garden God. State, yeah,
0: pretty much. One hundred percent. That's is it is is it Garden State that basically is the one that got everyone to wear that fucking Joy Division T-shirt?
1: Oh, I think it was. I think. It, yeah, I feel yeah. like
0: that's. Everyone has a Joy Division t-shirt, and I feel like it's all from Garden State.
1: Well, that's what we started listening to all those bands. Because it basically, yes. Zach Braff took all the bands that every one of the scene kids or the indie kids Mm -hmm. was listening to and incorporated that into the movie. And so then everyone knew about it and everyone thought they were a scene kid and everyone thought they were an indie kid. You're like, I listen to the Smiths. I'm so fucking deep. And you're like,
0: Oh no. Like the Misfits. Like, okay. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. Like it was all that kind of stuff. Like what else was on that? Like Iron and Wine, like all those little indie bands at the time, (laughs) you know? (laughs) I don't think Gavin DeGraw made the cut, but.
0: (laughs) Oh, sorry, Gavin.
1: (laughs) But. Uh, I I, I thought it was fitting. Like, I liked the way they incorporated it into the movie, and I just thought that as the – I like the way they incorporated music in terms of not only was it a device that was used to further scenes or reinforce what was happening in scenes, I also Mm -hmm. really enjoyed – I know there's a term for this, Jade, you're going to correct me on – there's even a point where the killer is, like, listening to the Smiths, and then, Mm -hmm. you know, like, Takes it out as, or like, stops the music as he's about to like do an assassination, and I'm like, oh, this is yeah. Great.
0: It's it's diegetic and like diegetic, diegetic sounds. Yes, yeah,
1: exactly. Mm-hmm. Which is great. Like, I I love those kind of devices. I
0: yeah. love when people do that.
1: Yeah, it, it, I think it was a fun device. But what about you, Jade? What'd you find that was treasure about this film?
0: Um, I do think it was interesting. Kind of like I'm typically kind of hit or miss on voiceover or like narration in a film. Um, but I think even though I know you kind of crapped on a little bit earlier, like, uh, the narration, it was, I think, interesting to get inside his head because really his character doesn't interact with people that much. That's kind of the point of his job is he's by himself and he studies people and things. And then he's just kind of from afar watching until he's ready to go for the kill. So there's not really meant to be a ton of dialogue. So I feel like this. Was a way of getting inside of his head a little bit about who is this man and kind of what is his thought process a little bit. And I think actually, for quotes, most of the quotes that I have are from his voiceovers, like his narration. Like, because again, it's not like anyone speaks that much. It's
1: 50% of the movie, is that? Which I'll walk back my statement a little bit, Jade. I don't think that this movie would have been successful with the dialogue if it had not been the caliber of actor of michael fassbender like agreed if i I would think like the only other person that would capture my attention with this much voiceover would probably be like you know christoph waltz or someone like Mm -hmm. that like there's not too many people who i would just listen to do voiceover and i think it's because michael fassbender is just such an amazing actor that it somehow Mm -hmm. worked with the creative mind of david fincher
0: yeah i think it was a combination of his performance because you have to think every time it's being narrated it's just shots of him being quiet doing little things you know so it's like he has to kind of almost in those scenes think about what his character is going to be saying on screen and then embody that um, as well as just the cadence of his narration, I think was really great, especially for, you know, an Irishman doing very <laughs> neutral American accent, <laughs> um, but I think he did a great job. Um, so yeah, I, that was a, that was a kind of a treasure for me. It was, it was a good point. Anything else for you?
1: I don't don't really think so. I mean, like I said, I I wasn't ever bored. So I I will say that I thought it was well edited. There wasn't a point where, Mm -hmm. you know, we talked a lot in the last couple of, I feel like, episodes where we have watched films and going, man, there could have been a cut here. Like, Mm -hmm. I think two hours is fine. Could they have made it shorter? Maybe. Like, But I didn't really have any problems with how the story flowed together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think just a, a secondary little treasure for me would just be that, I did enjoy the fact that they didn't get hung up on... Sometimes, you know, when films are kind of like there there has to be some sort of snappy dialogue or interesting interaction or moment between characters. And I think I did enjoy a little bit that this film took that and the killer, because we never know his name, um, he just kind of... He didn't care about any of that. He didn't give anyone a chance to explain themselves, to, like, speak. Like, he just was just like, and we're done. Boom. Like...
1: And you know i think what really reinforced that was his repeated dialogue every time he had an interaction where it was like you know don't get caught up don't have empathy yeah don't stick to the plan stick to the plan don't don't improvise yeah like yeah and it was interesting because because every time that he interacted with someone he was going to kill or another character he was reinforcing Mm -hmm. that in himself and in us the audience of Yes. this is not, this is not personal. This is not what, well, it was right. personal, but I mean, like, this I'm is not,
0: not here to like list, like listen to them plead no. their case. The decision like, had I am, or,
1: you already knew already the decision. Made. Like, like there would be interactions and you're mm-hmm. like, Oh, and you would think in the back of your mind, maybe this one will be different or maybe this will be different, but like it never right. was like we had five interactions where you thought it was going to be different and it never was in every single situation.
0: And exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I will put that in treasure because there's even instances where like minor characters get killed we go oh that's kind of sad like i feel bad for like that secretary and you're like oh maybe mm-hmm. he is gonna let her go nope like n- nope she's also dead like right when you thought that yeah. was gonna happen dead and you're like holy dead. shit okay yeah i guess so that's- you with tell the
0: swinton's character yeah. when she like slips and she's like would you help a girl up boom headshot and Not then you yeah. realize when he kicks her over she has a knife in her hand and nope. you're like yeah it's- he anticipated for a reason yeah uh, yep exactly uh,
1: what was trash Jade?
0: Um, I think for me, and and I think you could probably agree with me on this, is the plot was just a little too confusing and convoluted for something that should honestly be really simple. Like something over assassin, like assassins' revenge plots are done time and time again. We've seen this a hundred million times. But the reason it, why it's so Corona enjoyable Reeves is has
1: made part of his career on yeah, exactly that. Alone. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but like you know, like it's. It's the reason why I think people still return to it is because it's not about making this the most interesting thing. It's about watching someone be an incredible killer. I mean, truly, it's just it's you're there for the action, right? You're not here 100%. for the plot. Um but I think for this, it was like what made the plot so confusing is so he misses the mark, and then all of a sudden he goes home to his wife in the Dominican Republic, and she's been attacked by two other assassins. And then he basically decides to go after the people who attack her. But then you find out that it was because he missed the mark. And so people were sent after his wife. And you're like, why his wife and not him? Um, And then in the end, he gets all the way to who who he blames, which is the client who had asked for the hit. He gets all the way there. And then the client's like, I didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't tell me. They just said, hey, um, since the guy that you hired to kill is alive, do you want us to clean the trail? And he's like, yeah. And he goes, and I didn't know what that entailed. He goes, I didn't didn't know anything about it. And he's like, okay. And just fucking leaves him and then goes back to the Dominican Republic with his wife. And I was like, so what was the fucking point of everything? What was the point of it all?
1: And and that's it. Like the ending is unsatisfying because you go – you're watching this entire movie and kind of going, what was this all for? And maybe that is part of the point they want to leave us with, but like, it's just, I think that's where, I think it wasn't until the end of the movie that I really started questioning the entire plot and and the entire story overall, because I started thinking even, okay, so let's let's just break this down here, right? Like he's part of some assassins network. He's going mm-hmm. to kill a guy, which we never really know why. That's fine. He's killing them because of whatever. could be money. Well,
0: it's politics. a job. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't
1: matter. That's fine. He misses. And then we know there are consequences and we're like, okay. And, and really from that point on the movie could have gone anywhere and we still could have gotten the same or a better result. What I don't understand is, you know, I don't know, like we have Matt Damon, I'm thinking of like movies, like, you know, what is the movie with Matt Damon, where he's the, the CIA, CIA spy that like fucking breaks off. John, his name's John. Bourne. Bourne identity? Yeah, Jason Bourne. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jason Bourne. We have John Wick. A lot of these different assassination super soldier stories, like you said, you have the same type of storyline. You have a guy that either goes rogue or a guy that fucks up and there are consequences. Mm-hmm. But what usually happens is that the consequences are for the individual; they are for the person who fucked up. So, like yes. for me, what would have made more sense here is if he had flown home to the dr and been like, mm-hmm. "Hey, baby, you know, honey, we got to get the fuck out of here. Like, mm-hmm. I fucked up. This went south. We got to go." And then they get attacked. She gets fucked up or gets killed, right? And then we have revenge story. That makes yes. more sense. What doesn't make exactly. sense exactly is because not only Jade did they fuck up his house and fuck up his wife slash girlfriend whatever she was but one they didn't kill her which to me didn't make sense i was like okay why did they even get sent there as assassins if they didn't kill her maybe she fucked that up whatever
0: well no no no. no. supposedly she got away they were going to kill her but she jumped out of a a window which is why she got so fucked up and then she went into the woods and the jungle.
1: okay so fine so that's fine i don't yeah that's not even the part that bothered me the part that bothered me was that they're having a con he's having a conversation. Michael Michael is having a conversation with the lawyer who's the guy that is in charge of the network. And he goes, yes. Oh yeah, why did you ever go home? Because we knew you weren't going to be there. And I'm like, wait. Yeah. Why then why were you sending assassins after like how would that have been like, why situation? his wife? How, how would that have been an insurance policy? Like to go, oh, you know what? The result of this is we're going to kill your family. Like, and you're like, okay, but that doesn't now i'm just a right. person with nothing to lose so Ex- i'm going to come kill all of you like yeah. it doesn't make any sense
0: and not only that but i always but i also thought it was weird that the end game was the client when really it was his boss the lawyer who was to I- blame the whole time so like Agreed. when he gets all the way to the client and lets him go i'm like okay well what well, would have been smarter is if we went to the lawyer last so it should have been like he gets information about who the assassins were, like he figures who the assassins are, goes after them. And then each time he kills one, they give him more information. And then he gets to the client and the client then tells him, I didn't know what was going to happen. This was your boss's decision. And then it should have been like, Oh, okay. Well he, now yeah. I have to go fucking kill him. And then he put
1: the pieces together the from, one. yeah, he could put the pieces together from the exactly. client and from the two assassins and go, Oh, this all makes sense. Now it's definitely him. You're right. And then that caps it off. And that's the end.
0: Right. But instead, he just let this billionaire go. And and what kills me is it, this is a billionaire who hired an assassin to kill another man, right? And basically, by just flippantly saying, yeah, I'll take the insurance policy, gets you know his wife almost killed. So, lets him go, but kills the taxi driver who did literally nothing but drive people. do um, I
1: felt bad for. I felt bad for that guy, too.
0: I felt bad for him. Kills the secretary- who, like, is kind of adjacently part of it, but, like, she's not the one making the decisions. The lawyer no. is. Um, and, like, the assassins, whatever. But, like, that was wild to me. I was like, so that motherfucker gets to live, but not the taxi driver? Yeah. That man who did nothing to no one? Mm-hmm. That was that was crazy to me. Yeah. No, crazy. I mean,
1: those, those are the things that bothered me, I think, the most in, the, in this movie. But, Jade, yeah. is there any any difference of opinion in our next question who had the best performance because it's Michael (laughs) Fassbender. Like he makes this whole movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Makes this whole movie. I mean, like everyone else did a good job, but also it's like everyone else is in the movie for 10 minutes. So
1: even, even tell the Swinton, like I was like, man, she's very wasted in this film. Like completely
0: wasted. And and they put her in the forefront. They're like, and Tilda Swinton is in it. So you're thinking there's got to be this whole back and forth, like maybe he's she's the one that he's chasing. No.
1: She shows it's up. Like, I looked at it, Jade. She shows up at like 91 minutes out of a two-hour movie. She shows up at 90, and she's like, there for like minutes.
0: 10 minutes. They have yeah. like a dinner, and then he kills her.
1: Oh, best conversation, though, of the entire movie happens. Oh, absolutely the, absolutely the yeah. best conversation. It's the best.
0: But at least we got a, a real fucking fight with the guy from Florida. That was great.
1: Yeah. Which again, I think would have been better if it had been like the lawyer fight at the end, that would have been better to have yes. as the final, you know, cap. It should cap have been
0: story. like the, it's like final boss Yeah. It's whatever. It's yeah. fine.
1: Um, there are a couple of good quotes in this. Jay, do you have any uh, quotes from this uh, film that stood out to you?
0: Yeah. Um, this is kind of like right off the top, um, which I feel like this quote alone explains the whole film. Uh, when he's talking about being an assassin, he goes, if you're unable to endure boredom, this job is not for you. <laughs> I was like, yeah, because this fucking doesn't do anything for hours.
1: No, no, it's so true. Uh, I had one. It was uh, – I'm trying to find it here. It was so funny. The Oh, I got it. He goes – so my whole persona basically is of a German tourist that I once saw. And he's talking about his disguise for this particular hit. And he goes – and he's in Paris. So he goes – No one wants to interact with a German tourist. Parisians avoid them like the rest of the world avoids street mimes. And I'm like, why why is that That so funny? That
0: was so fucking funny. I wrote that down too. I was literally dying. Um, (laughs) So good. Um, I loved this one personally that says, of all the lies told by the US military complex, my favorite is that sleep deprivation does not qualify as torture. And I was like, dude, a thousand percent.
1: That was. Also, I just like this one because of Florida. Like, he's in St. Petersburg for one of the hits, and he's oh watching these two guys just like fuck around, and he's like, "Ah, the Sunshine State. Where else can you find so many like-minded individuals outside a penitentiary?" <laughs> 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 Hope they're not planning a sleepover. Like, he's just like it's it's just so fucking funny.
0: Oh, that was so accurate to me. Um, I also loved that uh, he. This is when. Oh, this is yeah. So this is when he's in the elevator um, at the law office with the secretary, and he has the lawyer's dead body in the garbage can. And these two people enter the elevator, and this one guy, like as a joke, is like need help getting rid of the body and then like the secretary just like uncontrollably laughs and i actually thought that was so fucking funny because that is like this you know those like dumbass fucking quips that people will say to you about shit like you know if your credit card doesn't swipe and they're like oh it's free then right like yeah. it's just dumb shit but like the fact that he said that and like there was a dead body is like oh that's clever
1: i, <laughs> I, love, that. I love how like the secretary in that scene would also be me where she's like <laughs> i've been like
0: <laughs> she's like, yeah, like even though she's like under duress, but at the same time, she was like, she couldn't help with the irony of the fucking situation. I would have
1: laughed so hard. Uh, I also like this one where he's uh, talking about getting to the billionaire's house. He goes, "Who needs <gasps> a Trojan horse when you've got Postmates? Because everything's airtight." To the billionaire once, Densuko watermelon.
0: <laughs> oh my god, I said that too. He's just like, yeah, like everything's Fort Knox until a billionaire once, yeah, like, <laughs> and it's so true. It is like so true. it was. It's actually hilarious to me how much like he was like trying to like plan and do all this stuff to get in and then like you just turn around and there'd just be the the easiest fucking way to get into a place because basically someone's like not paying attention or doesn't care.
1: Holding a bag of food now is the new carrying a ladder. Like if you're carrying a bag of food and have anything that looks remote, like in a cell phone in your hand, I'm going to assume that you are some kind of delivery driver and I will just let you in anywhere. Like, I'd be like, oh, yeah, come right in.
0: 100%. Well, that's how he got into the lawyer's building is he literally just had a garbage can with a recycling sticker on it and he drew a recycling thing on like a pocket protector and that's it. And I was like, all right, he belongs here.
1: Belongs here. whatever
0: yeah.
1: well jade anything uh, else you want to add before we uh give our rating here on this film
0: just uh you know i i will say if you're a lover of the smiths this entire film is nothing but smith songs and i'm very <laughs> curious to know like how that conversation went with like their label it was like um oh, we want to buy 12 songs um they're like okay here's the whole album (laughs) like
1: (laughs) we'll give you a deal if you take 10 we'll give you 12
0: (laughs) we'll give you yeah we'll give you two for free yeah (laughs) oh my god
1: uh well jade where do you rate this film uh of david finchers and michael fassbender
0: this is a shelf for me like it's not wasn't bad enough i think to be trash like again i still enjoyed it I was still able to watch it thoroughly. I think there's some moments that um, are definitely admirable. If you're a fan of film, I think too, like you will appreciate it a lot more. I think if you're an everyday watcher and you're just looking for something entertaining, it's probably not going to capture your attention. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think it's just one of those that it's more for, I think the film nerds than it is for your, your average viewer.
1: I feel the same way about this movie as I have since all of David Fincher's films since The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Mm. It's good, it's just not great. Like, I don't think that David Fincher is the same director that he was when he was doing movies like, I'll even include Zodiac in this, you know, Panic Room like fight club, fight club like 7 like Seven. you know mm-hmm. like i you know i even enjoyed the curious case of benjamin button like i thought that oh, was a i great love film. that movie but i mean after the girl with a dragon tattoo we have movies like gone girl which i didn't think was a great movie we have Ma- i
0: you love, love gone, gone girl? girl what the fuck are you ta- josh I, listen every woman i know loves gone girl
1: look so sure the book is great i just th- it's not my thing like i i just don't think it's Hey, I'll put Gone Girl in the shelf category. I'm definitely not putting it in the treasure. Like, it's not, but like, it's at least
0: a gem. What the fuck? I don't know about that. This is shocking. It's because Josh hates women.
1: Yo, like, like, don't Matt Rife me here on my own podcast, okay?
0: (laughs) Excuse me. I'm just saying. (laughs) Um, Go ask your wife what she thinks of Gone Girl. She loves it.
1: I'll ask her, but I I don't know about that, actually. But, (gasps) oh, Mank. Okay, so we'll take Gone Girl up. I mean, look at at Mank. Mank? Yeah. Yeah. Not great. You know what I mean? Mank and. You know, I don't know. I just don't get it. This to me is in the same category. This is a shelf. Like, he's a great director. He makes a decent mm-hmm. movie. I just don't it's not anything I want to return to. Like, I'll go watch Fight Club right now. I'll watch Seven right now. I mean, I would turn on The Curious Case of Benjamin Button or even Panic Room. I loved Panic Room when it came out. Oh, I thought it was Panic fucking Room. genius. Like it's a great yeah. movie. This seems to me, you know what this seems to me, Jade. It's just hmm. more director garbage that's being shoveled onto Netflix because there's no oversight. I am thoroughly convinced there is no oversight well, for anything. That's, that's exactly being what it
0: is because, you know, David Fincher has a contract with Netflix to basically make four films for that, for them. Um, one of them was bank. And now we have the killer. And I think basically Netflix is like, he is a, you know, respected director. Like he's done all these great things. Like this is going to be good for us. Right. Cause he's going to make these award winning movies and then I think they quickly realize, like, with no oversight, that you know, passion projects are great, but that doesn't mean that's getting to the audience. And they but need the viewers; they need the audience.
1: They've been doing it for years, like The Irishman yeah. with Scorsese. Is it a terrible movie? No, it's just four hours, and I'll never watch it again. It's okay. It just could have right. used some editing. And
0: but that's maybe- what I'm saying. It's like I think it's because they are just they give so much trust in these directors because they're in a a spot where they want the recognition they want the viewership and i think they're just kind of like hey you're a big name like come do what you do and when you get these directors carte blanche yeah. like you know you're you, you're going to get a passion project you're going to be something that this isn't is, for everyone
1: to me it's like this is what a24 would be if it didn't have any type of producing executive producing team like overseeing the projects like You know, that isn't, like, A24 is, I think, the pinnacle of what it means to let people or let filmmakers have their passion projects. Like, it's good Mm -hmm. stuff that's obviously been looked over, reviewed, and been like, yes, let's greenlit this, and let's do it the best that we can. Netflix just Mm -hmm. seems like, oh, here are some elements. Let's throw them in a fucking mixing bowl and hope that whatever comes out on the other end, good enough. Sounds great. That sounds great. I mean, Throw it on streaming. It doesn't matter. It, it almost seems to me like they go, it doesn't matter. It's streaming. It's two hours of content. It's great. It'll make people tune in. Great. Next project, you know? Right. Yeah. But Anyway, Agreed. well, you know, that was our review of the killer It's streaming now on Netflix.
0: I mean, it's all right. <laughs> go watch it. If you like your adventure, stick to
1: your plan, never yield an advantage. Stick to the plan. Fight only the battle you're paid. Fight. Ask yourself, what's in it for me? Stick to the pleasures. Empathy, weakness, and vulnerability. This is what it takes if you want to succeed. Simple. And once again, our movie this week was The Killer. It's streaming now on Netflix. It's uh
0: it's okay. Yeah. Alright. Yeah.
1: let's talk about something more entertaining i know we've watched uh, several things this week i spent a lot of time on a plane so got a couple of movies in uh, let's take a look at some of our weekly watches uh, jade anything new and interesting that uh, you've been watching this week
0: yeah so a new series has dropped on effects You can also stream it now on hulu um it's called murder at the end of the world um, this stars Emma Corinne, who you may know as the younger Diana from the Crown um as well as Harris Dickinson who is in the upcoming movie The Iron Claw he's also in Triangle of Sadness mm. we have Alice Braga um Joan Chen um and then we also have Clive Owen who you might know from like uh, Children of Men um yeah so it's, it's got a good cast um it's essentially kind of a Classic murder mystery, very a la Agatha Christie, where a group of very interesting people with different skill sets are all invited to this retreat at Reykjavik on a very remote cabin um, by this tech billionaire. And they all all been invited there for him to showcase some new and up-and-coming technology he's working on. But while they're there, one of the guests is murdered. Uh, and our main character, Darby Hart, played by Emma Corinne is actually an amateur sleuth. And she was invited there because she is a hacker. And when she was younger, she actually uh, found a serial killer by using her hacking computer skills and then ended up publishing a book about her experience. So it's really fun and interesting because it jumps back and forth between the past. So it's kind of the story of her finding this serial killer and then also the story of her currently trying to figure out who murdered this person at the retreat um and so yeah it, it's it's a little like kind of dark a little bit suspenseful like you know it's, it's definitely very like more in that like artsy indie side but really interesting
1: it's so wild so uh, th- i i'm gonna put that on my list jade but what's so wild <laughs> is what my brain went when you were talking about the cast one it sounds mm-hmm. like an amazing cast two what the fuck has clive owen been doing for the last 10 years because
0: i thought about that too
1: I, look, I remember him in the early 2000s, like Closer, one of my favorite like movies to watch if you just want to have your heart torn out. He's amazing mm-hmm. in that. Children of Men, I think, is one of the things I think he's most well-known for. I think the last thing I remember him in was, what is it, Hemingway and Gellhorn. You remember that movie in like 2012 where he plays Ernest oh Hemingway? Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. That was the last – apparently, he's done five, like seven or eight projects since then. I've seen none of those movies. I've never even seen any of the movies he's done advertised. I don't understand. What yeah. he's been, like, is he just taking well, paychecks? Like he's done
0: a little bit slower stuff. Like he did, um, one season of American crime story. Then he was in that mini series on Apple TV plus with, um, Julian Moore, like Lacey's story. Oh, um,
1: I never really watched that, but I know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah. But it's not like anything crazy. Like he did an episode of Curb using that movie Gemini Man with um, Will Smith. That was terrible. But like, <laughs> it's oh my god, Anon that horrible original Netflix film that was bad. Mm. Yeah, it's just nothing's terribly like. He hasn't been like a big blockbuster. No, I don't think I in like, a long think time. He
1: needs to do some like a twenty. He needs to do an A twenty four film. I feel like we need to see him there.
0: But he's—I mean—he's been good so far in this show. I think his character is really great as this like elusive tech billionaire. You know, he might be the primary suspect. So yeah, nice, nice.
1: Well, Jade, I'm going to very quickly go over two watches that I did. I caught up on some movies mm. on the plane. I watched first one I watched was Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I was on a seven-hour flight, so I thought That's this a is choice. the time. This is the time to <laughs> watch a two and a half-hour movie about Indiana Jones. Very quickly, um, one, this movie didn't need to be made. It just, it, mm. it did nothing to drive the plot forward. Although the two things that entertained me the most was one, Scorsese needs to take notes from you know, Spielberg and Lucas or whoever was directing this thing. This mm-hmm. is how you do aging down a character correctly because there are a co- like 30 minutes of this film is shot with a younger Harrison Ford I didn't look into mm. how they got this footage, but, like, it was believable enough, Jade, that I was like, wow, I am looking at Indiana Jones from, like, the Temple of Dune. Like, like that's what it they looked like to me. What
0: they probably did but they – they just map his face from footage taken probably from those films.
1: But, like, you know what I'm talking about, Jade? We've seen a lot of poor
0: CGI. I know, but so the problem is, is a lot of that is either – they're basically using tech to try to like de age them. Mm -hmm. So they're creating an uh, essentially a new face for them. But I feel like this one was probably easier because it's so much footage of him from Mm -hmm. his last three Indian films that they could. Yeah.
1: I would argue with anyone, if you watch this film and then go back and watch any of the original three, you would go, Oh, that is the same guy. Like that is exactly what he looks like. And it, it, and it, it looked like they had somehow magically gotten a younger Harrison Ford. It was great. Mm, um nice. and then they did a great contrast with like aging like I mean, he looks old now but like they did right. a great crossover from that time to this. And I was like, "Oh, this is really great." Mm. Other than that, um Phoebe Bridges did her best to make this an entertaining movie. Phoebe um,
0: Waller-Bridge. Phoebe
1: Waller-Bridge. Damn it. Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I keep confusing that name with what is the pop star there's a Pop star, named I think it's like,
0: like Phoebe Bridgers or something. Bridgers, yeah. Yes,
1: I think that's Bridgers, where I'm getting. I yeah, I don't know why I've heard that name, but Phoebe Waller Bridge did her best, really did. Um, mm. it's just, yeah, it's two and a half hours of Indiana Jones, and no one's asking for it.
0: That's, yeah, them that checks out,
1: that checks out. Yeah. Um, also, really quick, Jade, I watched uh Guy Ritchie's new film, The Covenant, with uh, mm-hmm. a, what can I oh my god, Jake Gyllenhaal. Mm -hmm. Interesting movie. Like, if you like war movies, it's kind of interesting because it's based on a true story. I think it's also based on a book, if I'm not mistaken, um, about essentially uh, the war in Afghanistan, uh, particularly a soldier and his translator. This translator and this soldier, their whole squad gets wiped out. And what ends up happening is Jake Gyllenhaal's character gets injured and his translator has to drag him across Taliban territory for like three or four days to get him back to his base alive. And in doing so, the translator uh, gets put on the top 10 uh, most wanted list for the Taliban. So he has to go into hiding immediately. And so Jake Gyllenhaal gets back to the States. He's like, you know, doing other stuff with his tour. And he's like, hey, man, like this guy's supposed to have visas. We're supposed to be getting him out. Like, where is he? And they're like, "Mm, don't know. Sorry. And he's like, that's not good enough. So he does, you know, like the white savior thing and gets together a bunch of uh, mercenaries and they go and get this guy out. was wild is mm-hmm. apparently this is loosely based on a true story of this guy getting put, this translator getting put on the top 10 most wanted list and then they go in and basically extract this guy and his family and like get him visas to live in the US. And I was like, wow. Interesting. What was, what was interesting about this is essentially they drew light to the fact that like thousands of Afghanistan or Afghanistanis acted as translators for the US military under the pretense that they were going to get special immigration visas to live in the US after the war was over and almost mm-hmm. none of them did like almost none yeah. of them and most of them were killed and i was like yeah. that's wild like it was it was interesting it was set, yeah, wild. It was it was a crazy interesting story. Uh, it was interesting, I yeah. don't know
0: if that'll be for me, you know, but you know, <laughs> for those who are interested. <laughs> what,
1: what else did you watch, Jay?
0: <laughs> um, so I watched a, a couple different movies uh, this week. I watched Exorcist Believers, so this is kind of a almost yeah. direct sequel from the original Exorcist film. Yes, yeah, so this um brings in the the actress who played the mother in the original Exorcist, but she's and for all of like two seconds, which bothered me because they heavily advertised her as if she was going to be like a primary character. She wasn't. It was an interesting film. I think what bothered me the most was like, number one, I wanted there to be way more like murder and mayhem. That did not happen. And I felt like they focused way more on the parents in this film than they did the girls actually being possessed. So we actually didn't even get a lot of moments of the possessed girls. It was just a lot of shots of the parents struggling with their children being possessed i'm like mm. i get it i imagine that's hard and that's like kind of interesting but like this is also a horror film and like i want to see horror and i'm it just didn't really happen um so i don't know it was it was okay um another like Horror film I watched was The Last Voyage of the Demeter, which is the story of what happened on the boat, the ship that Dracula was transported on from Romania to London. So this is actually a chapter in the original um, Dracula book by Bram Stoker.
1: I've been excited was, for this, Jade. Is it?
0: Don't tell me it's bad because I'm. I, I was excited for this too. Yeah, it's not bad. It's just not what I wanted it to be. You know, like mm. I felt like. It just took way too long for us to actually have a confrontation with Dracula. So for most of the movie, it's like people just kind of go missing or get attacked. But you don't really see a lot of like full-on Dracula. And then by the time we get him, it's this terrible – and no offense to the visual effects artists, I'm sure they were probably put under a lot of pressure to get this done quickly – the terrible CGI mm-hmm. and the whole time I'm thinking this could have easily been done with practical effects like literally just a mask in like a suit you could have done an incredible job but I don't instead understand. it was just we have literal decades
1: of great vampire films in Hollywood yes. like how can you make a bad one like i mean i, w- I will add everything in that from Nosferatu to to fucking underworld mm-hmm. all of those are entertaining movies that I would watch yeah. again, but I don't understand in this day and age how you make a bad
0: it's Dracula- not hard to do vampire Dracula makeup. So no. like the the idea is this is him in his like kind of back form. And I'm like, I have seen hundreds, if not thousands, of masks done really, really well. Um, that they could have used. And instead, it was just again bad CGI and just took me out of it a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes when you're just too focused on the fact that I'm like, is this is computer generated. Ugh! So that was a little frustrating. But I think what they did well was like the overall story. And then I think the suspense that they built, I thought was nice. And the fact that they didn't back away from kind of hard moments. Like there's like a dog on board. There's a child on board. You're like, Oh my God, are the dog and the child going to die? I don't know. I bet they do. (laughs) If you know the story, the ship arrives with no one on it. So you kind of have to be like, can anyone survive? Um, And the last one is um, technically a horror film, but okay. So I I watched, I've been a teen wolf, the TV series truther for a long time. Shut up, Josh. I, (laughs) <laughs> love that show so much. I rewatched it. It still holds up for me. It's just, it's, it's good. It's, it was well done for a freaking MTV series based off of a cheesy 1980s film. You know what I mean? Oh, um,
1: um, can I say before you go on? I just watched a recent thing of teenage uh, Teen Wolf, like the, um mm-hmm. from the original, like Michael J. Fox, that movie yeah. does not hold up at right. all. It is. Right. Wow. Yeah. Shocking how cringe it is. Wild.
0: Mm -hmm. So yeah, they when they made the the TV series off of it, I actually think they did a really good job of kind of upscaling it. Plus, the one of the I think it was the one of the writers, creators, or directors of the show had also done Buffy. So Teen Wolf is very much, it feels like Buffy. There's all these other magical creatures. They're drawn to this one place, right? Like it's Beacon Hills because it's literally a beacon. Um, anyways, well, I guess after all these years, I decided to make a movie. I don't know why, because it ended so beautifully, like exactly where it needed to be. And then the hard part is for the movie, they could not get Dylan O'Brien back as Styles. And if anyone watched the show, Styles is the heart of that whole show. Like Styles is everything. So they couldn't get him back because basically Dylan O'Brien was like, Why are you, are you making a movie? It ended where it needed to end. Like he literally was like, I don't. Yeah think you should be doing this but uh, essentially a character that died in the show was like resurrected for the movie and everything about it was just horrible It just i don't know the the futures they gave these people were just not great the way they took the characters were weird um and then one of the actors um i forget his name but he played jackson um I, I think completely forgot who the hell his character was in the show because the way he acts in the movie, I'm like, that is not Jackson. <laughs> Jackson. In the show was a jockey bro psychopath. And all of a sudden he comes back as this like sassy understanding guy. And I was like, but yet he's also a canama and he killed like a ton of people. So I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. It was just oh, Josh. So much of it was bad. I was so mad. So like literally, the intro of the show, the way that we reintroduce reintroduced the characters, is like um, Tyler Posey's character, Scott McCall, who's like the, the main character, he's the Teen Wolf. And he's a full-grown adult now. And he's like, there's like a collapsing building and firefighters. And there's a girl and her, and a dog that's like stuck in one of the buildings. The firefighters can get to her. And Deacon, by the way, who is a vet, I don't know why he's there. They're like, well, we can't get to the girl because the dog is really aggressive. And I'm like, what? Take a couple dog bites. Like who fucking cares? I'm like, or bring it. If you're a vet, bring a tranquilizer gun. No, they bring Scott McCall. And they're like, we call him the alpha, which is like a joke because he's the, he actually is an alpha. Um, cause he's a werewolf. Yeah. And he like jumps down, no equipment, no protective equipment, nothing. Even the firefighters like you're going to go in without like a helmet at least. And they're like, no, he's got it. And like the building keeps, he basically uses alpha powers to like submit the dog and the building's collapsing. And he's like using his werewolf strength to like push the walls out of the way as he's like turning. And then they get the girl and the dog out and he just like jumps out as it collapses. And they're like, wow, he's so good. I'm like, what,
1: what, what, (laughs) What?
0: no one's like that was fucking weird
1: <laughs> much like the covenant what? jade i'm just gonna to take your word for it on this one <laughs> because i will never be watching that
0: <laughs> no as you shouldn't um honestly if you guys are teen wolf fans the movie not worth it It almost kind of just in my mind i kind of have to like block it out as like not being part of the universe like just i can't like,
1: this is not canon just feel like not it's not canon, canon. it's yeah.
0: not it's yep. bad yeah so skip it is my recommendation.
1: Well, Jade, something that we're hoping we don't wanna skip is as we get into the holiday season, we, of course, always just scour the internet for new or movies that we haven't watched yet for the holiday season. You know what just popped up, oddly enough, Jade, on my uh, Netflix feed as I was watching this last movie, The Killers, Mm -hmm. or The Killer, is, (laughs) shit, now I can't remember what the name of it is. Remember the Lindsay Lonehand movie?
0: Oh, like Falling for Christmas. Falling for Christmas. Is. Is exactly what it's called. Yeah, falling yeah. for
1: Christmas just popped up. They're like, Hey, do you want to watch this again? And I'm like, I I I don't. I, I can honestly say I don't. I that's okay. Like it's nice <laughs> seeing Lindsay again, but I'm I'm good. I'm good.
0: Yeah, that's that's a one and done.
1: But Jade, a movie that we are gonna watch next week is one that we both have put off watching for an entire year and now I think it's fitting to watch it once again. What is the movie mm-hmm. we're gonna be reviewing next week?
0: It is Violent Night starring David Harbour. It is a Christmas kind of thriller, um, which I always love. I actually love like horror movies that take place on holidays that horror shouldn't be happening. Like, you know, they just came out with one for Thanksgiving called Thanksgiving. And I'm like, yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely yeah 100 percent. well i think this is streaming now on is that amazon prime it's on one of the streaming platforms is it like prime I think or it's
0: Hulu. on either prime or netflix or something yeah yeah
1: i think it's just flip-flopping a little bit but it stars uh the stranger things star david arbor right that's david i'm trying to think of his last Harbor. name arbor Harbor. I can't think of anyone's name today. I don't know what the fuck is happening right now. Today.
0: Um, <laughs> well, most days.
1: Even <laughs> Harbour, uh, which I'm hoping will be better than the last movie that we saw him in, or at least the last movie I saw him in, which was, was it Ernest's Ghost? What the fuck was that movie even called? I tried to put it the fuck out of my mind as soon as I watched it.
0: It was that... Josh Sane. It's, so, it's, really it.
1: it's, it's something like about a
0: ghost. It's something about a ghost. His name yes. is Ernest and he doesn't talk and we reviewed it so here. It's terrible.
1: It's so bad. It's, like, is it
0: we have a ghost?
1: We have a ghost. That's what it is. We have a ghost. <sighs> terrible. Don't watch that. We're hoping Violent Night. The movie is called Violent Night and we're hoping it's better. But Jade, what's this movie about?
0: Um, It is about a... Group of mercenaries that break into a rich family home, um, only to on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, whatever, only to find out that they um, have to battle someone, aka Santa.
1: I jamming like that. That's a premise. That's the kind of assassin plot that I want to hear about. Like, oh, I, I don't absolutely. need much backstory. It's just some guys. There's some bad guys. They come in to kick ass, but you know who's there to stop them? Fucking Santa Claus. And he's like a grungy. Oh, Santa. <laughs> I smoking a cigarette is what I'm hoping like just coming oh, in.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I want to yeah. see him definitely kill someone with like an deer or a reindeer antler. That's what I want to see. Like him just. Oh,
0: yeah. Yes. A thousand percent. I mean,
1: come on. Uh, if you want to watch that, it's streaming, uh, we believe, uh, right now on uh, Hulu, our Amazon. I believe it's for rent there. You can watch it there as well. So uh, Jade, where can folks find us between now and next week?
0: You guys can follow us on all of our socials. You're on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as Our Taste is Trash. And you can also find us on our website, trash.com. Come
1: back next week when we review our movie. It's
0: called Violet Night. To get ourselves a dream.